and plenty of it. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I, I am uh, squeaking my mic. I'm at home. I hope you're at home. I hope we're handling this together all right. It's hard to know. I know people are craving uh, some sort of something to distract themselves, to stay engaged with something, to stay connected. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there alone, and I want to say... Hey, what's up? Everything okay? You have enough food? You got stuff in the cabinet? Don't don't eat too much. Uh, you don't don't just sit and eat. Do some exercises. Take a walk. Um, I hope that call your friends. You know, you're right. I I'm sorry you're going through this alone, but uh, I just want you to know that a lot of us are here with you, and that uh, we're thinking about you and we're staying connected. We're trying to stay connected. At least stay engaged with. Something live, if you can, even if it's on TV or on your computer. Stay engaged with information. Don't drift. Isolation is bad enough when, when, you, when you don't have to do it for a lot of people. But when you have to do it, man, it's even, it's even worse. Anyways, I'm just reaching out to the, uh, the lonely people out there, the people that have to ride this out by themselves. I, I hope you're taking care of yourselves. And also, look, I, I'll, I'll, I hope the people... Who have you know have people in their lives? Good luck with that too. Good luck with that intimacy. Good luck with that level of being together, huh? What a test! What a test! Got to got to keep it honest. Can't hide now, can you? In the house, not so easy. Day in, day out. How much do you love each other, huh? How much do you, huh? <laughs> I guess you'll find out. Should I mention the guest? Sure. I have a great guest today. I love this guy, Utkarsh Umbudkar. You might know him from uh, Britney Runs a Marathon, uh, which is streaming on Amazon. He's also in the upcoming action comedy, Free Guy, with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, He was on the Mindy Project, I believe. Uh, And hopefully you'll be able to see uh, the Free Guy thing in the future whenever we can do things again. But you know what? A lot of stuff's ending up on the streaming. They're doing it on the streaming. Betty Gilpin's uh, band movie, was unbanned, and now uh, everyone went into isolation, so it couldn't be in a movie theater. But The Hunt, I believe, will be available Friday. I think that was the case. Also, my buddy Bert Kreischer, he's got a stand-up special on. It's on Netflix. Uh, me and Bert going back-to-back with the releases. I think um, Tom Segura, he's got one dropping after Bert. So in, in succession, me and then Bert and then Tom, weeks apart, Coming at you with the full throttle comedy business. Uh, everybody's been enjoying the uh, end times fun, and I I appreciate that. Uh, Jason Zinneman, who I reached out to publicly to uh, to take his critical eye towards the special. It's a weird thing to do. I mean, I I don't see it as kissing ass or as uh, being solicitous. I wanted a real critic to take that thing on to reckon with that special, and I believe he is one. I believe he's a He's a, he's a deep intellectual. He's culturally well-referenced. He knows his shit. He's a, he's a old-school critic where you're not getting a review. He's going into it. And I think he really got it in that within the first paragraph or so, 
quoting, I'm quoting Jason Zinnerman from the New York Times. What stands out is his anchoring theme, a skepticism of unshakable belief of any kind, unquote. And I think that was it. I couldn't, the great thing about smart critics, about guys who really, and women who really take it on and go all in intellectually, and is that, uh, you know, they can reveal something that I may not have seen, but that is true about this special, is that I knew that the whole thing was tethered to the opening bit about not knowing anything or what do we really know and what is belief. And that was the through line. That was it. And he saw it. And I don't know that a lot of people got that. A lot of people are getting whatever they want to get out of it. But this thing is a whole piece, and that's the way I conceived of it. So I appreciated uh, Zinneman doing that. And uh, so thanks for that, Jason. Also, the other press has been great and people's reactions have been great. I'm just thrilled that the special is landing so well with people. I'm I'm saddened at the condition of the world uh, that it is landing in, though it is providing somewhat of a, a life buoy or a lifeline or a relief or whatever from what is we don't even know yet in this country. That's the fucking thing is we don't know. We're days away from knowing weeks max uh, in terms of how bad this is going to get here. I just, I got an email here. I'll read it to you. This is an email from uh, it, the subject line just says news from Italy about COVID-19. Hi, Mark. I know you for your acting in the TV series Glow and Easy, and I like your work very much. Tonight, I saw your show End Times Fun, and for the first time in several days, I laughed a lot. I'm not laughing so much these days because I live in Bergamo, a small town in the north of Italy that now is the epicenter of COVID-19 in Italy. To give you the idea of the numbers of dead, in the local news, usually we have three pages of obituary, and today is 10 pages. Our hospitals are collapsing. A lot of doctors are ill. People are losing their jobs, and many friends and relatives are at home with fever. It's a mess. I didn't know about your podcast until tonight, but I've heard what you said in the last one about this situation and the necessity to take this seriously, and I want to thank you for that and also for making me laugh tonight. Being isolated, it's difficult. Within a couple of weeks, our lives are completely changed and we are shocked and scared and outraged for many political reasons and we miss each other and we are in pain for elder people who die alone, separated from the loved ones. It's a terrible situation and it's global and we have to be informed. And uh, so thank you. Take care and sorry for the shitty English. Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. And I'm sorry you're going through that. I'm sorry we're all going through that, but it sounds particularly awful that is the head of the spear there of the uh, coronavirus pandemic but that is the barometer for what could and may very well happen here and continue happening so despite whatever information you may getting you may be getting despite uh, the lack of leadership at the top despite the only thing that uh, seems to make trump happy is to call it the chinese virus so there's some sort of uh, uh, nationalist spin on it this is a human virus uh, that is just engulfing the planet and we can only hope for the best Uh, i think everybody's doing what they can states are doing what they can people are doing what they can and uh my heart goes out to people that uh many of us i mean i was just sick i don't know if i had it or i didn't do you know if you have it or you don't no because it's far from easy to be tested so the numbers on some level can never be trusted we will never know efficient numbers because uh, we're the most uh, advanced country in the world, but we, for some reason or not, 
getting these tests to everybody or at least making them accessible. Why is that? What do you think? Who has anything invested in the numbers staying not quite right? Look, folks, I don't want to be cynical. I want to tell you that uh, I hope you're taking care of yourself. I don't know what you're doing. I can tell you what I've been doing. I can tell you. I know it got heavy there for a minute, but it's heavy. These are heavy times. I'll tell you. Just give me a second, all right? I'll tell you. So there's uplifting emails too, I guess, isn't there? Here we go. Here's one. Got one for you. This is uh, just, I guess, closure in a way. I read that honeymoon uh, email, the people who were in Spain in the middle of the pandemic trying to keep it together. Hi, Mark. Thanks for reading our story on WTF. We landed in Atlanta Monday to a slew of texts about it from friends and family. Certainly made us smile after 36 hours of travel. Happy to report that we are now safe and sound and honeymoon quarantining at Arcasa in New Orleans. Wishing you and yours all the best. Love, Keith and Lauren. They made it. They're still married. Amazing. It's a real test, folks. Hey, and don't go crazy with the fucking... I mean, you can, but for God's sakes, let's not have a whole generation of plague babies, okay? We don't need it. We don't need it. There's enough people. We don't need the COVID generation, do we? Am I being negative? Do what you want. Have as many babies as you want. You know, who am I to, who am I to judge? All right, so here's what I've been doing. I've been hiking. Uh, I've been hiking, trying to get up there once or twice a week, going out. Right, It's weird. I, right, I hike up this trail near my house. Go up to the top, and I saw a guy walking down, a regular guy, older than me, with a beard, dressed in jeans, just kind of bopping down the mountain, carrying a shovel. Uh, always suspect the guy alone with a shovel out in the woods uh, or out on the hike. But it was the middle of the day, and I couldn't quite figure it out. My brain tried to piece it together as I hiked up that mountain, listening to Modu Mokhtar, uh, jamming in my hit, head, getting a little spiritual, getting a little tarig. And uh, I didn't know what it was about. And I was walking down past all the lizards. And it's been raining a lot here in L.A. And that guy had taken upon himself. I do not believe he worked for the city. Maybe he did, but it didn't look like it to sort of create new channels for the water. So they didn't wash away the trails. Many of the trails have these kind of small canyons in them from water rushing down them because there's no foliage on them. So it naturally goes there. And this guy was carving side channels out into the sort of uh, foliage area and blocking the ones that are running along the trails or in the middle of the trails to stop the erosion. I don't know if that's just a good citizen. I don't know, but that, I'm glad I figured it out that he wasn't burying friends or family up there. Uh, I called my parents. Call your parents. My mom's doing okay. She's uh, hanging in there. They're trying to stay on top of uh, having enough supplies. Apparently, she called Costco about toilet paper. They said, uh, you got to get here early and you got to be online. So that's going to give her boyfriend, who's about 80, something to do. Go stand online at Costco. She also said, out of all things that I should do, uh, out of nowhere, she goes, don't upset Lynn. Who's my mother to know who I am? Who's my mother to know that when I'm holed up, that I may be difficult? Right? My dad's doing okay. He doesn't seem to know entirely what's happening, but... uh, Maybe that's better off. Also, I've been watching some movies. I watched From Here to Eternity the other night. What a great film to watch. I also watched a, a buddy of mine try and get sober again. So I was trying to think of movies, sober movies, and I and I, I to recommend. Is it like I didn't want to you know recommend the sort of the Bill W. movie. There's a doc I haven't watched, but there's also an old TV movie with uh, with James Woods as Bill W. and James Garner as Doctor uh, Bob, but. 
But then I keep, I always land on Changing Lanes. It's this movie from, I don't know, it's about 20 years old. It was with Ben Affleck and uh, Samuel L. Jackson. And I love the movie. I've watched it, you know, I watch it like once a year. I watched it again last night. Lynn had not seen it. And I still like it. It's a bit much in terms of it gets you at the edge of your seat and it's a little far-fetched on some levels, but I think a pretty good recovery movie. It's not a movie about recovery, but uh, it is a movie about uh, wanting to do the right thing, doing the incredibly wrong thing, and then owning it. It's it's I like it, man. It's it's good movie if you want to see Samuel L. Jackson just play a regular guy and not be over the top. Also, listening to music is good. Cooking is good. Doing a lot of freezing, a lot of cooking. Because all you can do is think about food when you're sitting at home wondering if you're going to have enough food or is there still more food or should we cook some food? That's the hobby, making the food and putting it in your face. I'm on Instagram. Occasionally I go live on Instagram. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at at Mark Marin. One word on Instagram. That's the real me. And okay, like this morning I did a little of that, or yesterday, did a little of the live Instagram. But what do you, you know, it's like, look, it's just going to wear out, man. Celebrities being cute about the quarantine and about their hobbies during it. I don't know how long it's going to be before people with a little bit of a following are just crying for help. Maybe that's probably what they're doing now. But I mean, more literally, like, I'm in trouble here, man. <laughs> I I got my got my family locked in a, in, a, in the room upstairs and there's no work and I can't get oh god yeah I, I wonder how long it's going to stay cute but uh hoping for the best you guys but please try to do your part and stay out of circulation so the old folks don't die so people who are vulnerable don't get this thing so the hospitals don't get overloaded but it's going to be weird for a while clearly all right so there's no guitar playing at the end of this episode because me and um, Utkarsh Umbudkar, he freestyle raps over me playing some, a little uh, funky uh, chord thing. It happens. And he's fucking good at it, man. I mean, I'm no a connoisseur of rap, but pretty impressive, man. So that's something to look forward to at the end of this episode. And as I said earlier, uh, you can see him in Britney Runs a Marathon. Where he's hilarious in that. It's streaming on Amazon. He's also in the upcoming action comedy, Free Guy, with Ryan Reynolds, which hopefully you'll be able to see sometime in the future whenever we can do things again. But now he's here with me talking to him just before everything got real crazy. <laughs> You were the first one to use the bathroom in the new studio, really, yeah. ex- aside from me. And I made a note to myself to get paper products, which I did, and then we, we got it just in time. You finished, you and I heard up. you wash the hands, and I'm like, I can't, and I went out and I got the paper towels that I bought. Now they're in here. But and then there was no place to throw the used paper towel. I'd be if if you had a like a a better guest like a yeah. more famous special yeah. prestigious guest right. I would feel guilty but I don't think you have to you're doing me a solid here like giving paper towels is like well yeah well, what are you gonna walk around with hands it's terrible and then you're not no. gonna ask because you're thinking like I don't want to be weird well it's like a Maybe. super it's I just realized how intimate it is to like stand outside the bathroom or be inside the bathroom while having that paper towel exchange. Yeah. You're like, all right, this uh, relative stranger. You heard me. You <laughs> yeah. heard me. Yeah. Well, we met 
at the Vanity Fair party. I complimented you, which is why I'm here, I think. I gave you a nice compliment. But the odd thing is, it's like, I know who you are because I saw that movie. Oh, Brittany runs yeah, the Yeah, and I thought you were the funniest part of the movie. You're great. Solid. Thanks. Great performance. And I enjoyed the movie. And I worked with- uh, Jillian. Jillian and, and, and Michaela. Michaela. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but you were hilarious. I had no idea who you were, and, and then all of a sudden there you were. And then when you met, when I met you, and then you told me that, I was like, "Oh, I fucking know you." So I mean, yeah, <laughs> I get a lot of, "Oh, I fucking know you." I get a lot of that. I get, I'm not going to try and pronounce your name, but I'll remember your face. That's quite a name. Utkarsh Embutkar. Utkarsh Embutkar. Embutkar. Yeah. Embutkar. I just realized this is the first Utkarsh. time you said my name. And boot car. Dude, I've been thinking about it all day. <laughs> I'm sorry for the stress that it's caused It's not you. causing me stress. I Like I said to my, when I'm, after I met you, I, I said, uh, I, I said, I told my producer we should book this guy. And she, he's like, great. And I said, Let's, wait, wait till I can figure out how to say his name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, nope, next week. Karsh and boot car. Perfect. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. It's a so, mouthful. What, so you were on the Oscars doing a, a silly thing. How does that unfold? How was that room? So, oh, that room. Have you been to, to that, in that room, the Oscars? So no. it was my first time. There's several different levels of discomfort at play. How'd you get the gig? So I got the gig because I just finished a Broadway run of this show called Freestyle Love Supreme. Oh. And that is an improvised rap comedy show. You're um, an improv- improvisational rapper? I'm a freestyle rapper. You can do that? I can indeed. It would be fun if you played some guitar, I could rap over it. Really? Yeah, that'd be, I'd get to jam with Mark Maron. Are you kidding me? Well, I, you could, I, I'll do it. I think it's uh, whack and ingenuine when people aren't um, as complimentary as they should be around people they yeah. admire. And I super duper admire you, bro. Thank you. I love your podcast. I Thank started you. doing a podcast because of you. Oh, really? What's Real- that called? We need more podcasts. There's well, never, there's never. Enough. Oh, I quit. I was like, I cannot do this as well as Mark Maron. <laughs> I did it for like a year and a half, yeah. had some cool guests, and I was like, this is going nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, I, all was, I want to do is listen what, to Mark Maron. What was the what was the what was it called? The it was called Let's Talk About Me. It was on oh. the Headgum Network. You, well, you definitely are like doing. You you learned something from me. Yeah, like, I, was I'm like, gonna... <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna brand this. I'm gonna just do Maron, but I'm gonna do it like no subtext, whatever. <laughs> Let's talk about me. And the idea was I was gonna have people from my past come on and talk to me about their first impressions of our relationship and, and how that went and how we can grow. Wow. And I come to find that like nobody wants to talk shit about you or insult you to your, to your face. face. And I was like, it just became like compliments. And I was like, no, but what about that time? And what about that time? It's hard. And I learned a lesson about that recently. What happened? I sent the wrong text to somebody. Who was it? I've Doesn't done matter. that so many Doesn't times. Matter. Somebody kind of blew me off twice, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it was an accident happens. But when I've done it, it means I really don't give a fuck. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like it's not you don't give a fuck in that moment. Like in the macro, maybe you you care about the relationship with that person. Or are you just saying like maybe maybe I I just think that twice. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really want to do it. Maybe yeah. that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so he's like this guy is is married to somebody in show business and like I was mad driving home and I text Lynn like you know they're both of them are shitty, and I sent that to him. Mm. Did he respond? I immediately realized what I did. And I said so. That, I guess you know how I really feel now. My point was is that people are they they're polite. Yes, and, they're too polite. Yeah, but it's not usually if somebody hates you, you would know that. But but like you know, my feelings were legit, 
And but you you know the proper human way to deal with that was like it's okay it happened sorry buddy I'll drive home even though I drove all the way to the restaurant I'm standing here like a fucking idiot but you know underneath that is like what the fuck dude yeah. I got a life I got a thing so then we he actually negotiated with me like you know in the sense that he's like I'm sorry you should have told me how you're feeling I could have handled it and I'm like look man I was just angry and you know your your wife's not shitty <laughs> <laughs> it's just you I'm sorry that I threw her into the equation <laughs> no they, neither one of them are I just I was just mad you know and, and then. I realized like why do I say that why was I even texting that to Lynn what's the point of that because there's a mutual there's like a connection that you get from from mutual sort of disdain for people yeah but she doesn't feel that way about him so maybe she's talking you off the ledge or she's like, you're right, it's just baby. stupid. I just, yeah, but it's just like, you know, I, I'm just turning into my dad. I'm just like that guy is sort of like, oh, fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. When I see my dad in the mirror, I get very scared too. What's he like? He's, you know, he's chill. Uh, he's, he's a scientist. Oh. He's a PhD biochemist. That's, and- that's deep science. It's super deep science. So yeah. He already has that science mind. He's yeah. sort of an introvert. Yeah. He doesn't talk. He's not one to start a conversation. Yeah. He's better now. Uh, I think he was super stressed. Like I've learned a lot. I think we're both like in like after doing like a thorough inventory, I've learned quite a bit about uh, are him. Are you a sober guy? Yeah, I'm oh. sober a little while. So like, you know, yeah. we're uh, we learned that our parents did their best, right? They did something. <laughs> they, they, yeah, I <laughs> they don't did, know. They didn't do anything r- with bad intentions. Yeah, exactly. Right. But I don't like, know about the best thing. Well, you know, we, we aspire to, to give them as much credit as possible now, especially, <laughs> I, I, especially after like the colossal shit show that I put my uh, family and friends through. But, uh, oh, that sounds exciting. Oh, it's super, super great. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in Maryland, yeah. uh, born in Baltimore, and then grew up in the suburbs of Maryland. But like, so the so the old man's like a biophysicist. Biochemist. A so biochemist. What What's he, your mom do? She's also a biochemist. Oh. They work at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda. Oh, are they still there? They still oh, yeah. work there? Yeah. And what are the, what's it like under this president? Are they complaining about the situation or is it? Yeah. Um, yeah of course. Yeah. Mm. My, my mom and dad, like, you know, I think there's funding being cut and mm. my mom's like a, she yells into the cavern of Facebook as much as she can, but but know. what is like what 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 would a job for your parents be like if they're working on something? What what is that? It's the same job that it's been for thirty years. So, my dad, chemotherapy cancer cells become resistant to oh, chemotherapy. Right. He's trying to figure out the mes- mechanism by which they become resistant right. to cancer treatment. Yeah. using like yeast and all this stuff. Also, if you hear Mark and I belch, it's because we are enjoying beautiful Topo Chico. We are. I've got a, a, a case of this in the fridge. So good. Nice tight bubbles. My friend Dean turned me on to this. And I, I don't really, you know, I don't walk into too many things for too long, but this is good. It's a good, but I it, love it. it is burpy. It's a tough bubble. It's all good. So yeah. my dad does that. And my mother works in the NIDCR, National Institute of Dental Research. So... When uh, so that's your dad's life's work is to figure out why cancer cells become resistant to chemotherapy. Yeah, and he's pretty well recognized and, and lauded for that. He's he's a, done some good work in yeah, that field. He's super. He's a hard worker. He's, but he's a, figured some shit out. Uh, I would say can't. No, no. <laughs> I would say he's chipping away at it. I mean, <laughs> I always ask him. Like the joke is like, "Have you cured cancer yet?" Yeah, yeah of course. It's always he's the like, joke. Are you with... number one on the call sheet yet? And I'm like, all right, touche. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. But uh, grew up in Maryland, and the parents sort of like the immigrant experience. They came from India in 1980. What part of India? My mother's from Chennai, which is South India. Uh-huh. If India is a triangle, they're both from like the bottom of the triangle, uh-huh. the point. And my dad's from Maharashtra, a small city called Barsi. In northern India? 
in so south. It's is, south central. Are, it's like, both, are they both from Dosa, India or Curry, India? They are. My mom's from Dosa. They're, my mom's from Dosa, India, and my dad is like from some hybrid. <laughs> Definitely not Curry, India. Yeah. He's from vegetarian India. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're both from vegetarian India. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's a very good way to put it. It simplifies things a lot for me, which I appreciate. I'm like, yeah, dog. Everything is, yeah, yeah food. Yeah. I remember you had Randall Park on and you were like, uh, we knew about Chinese food, but yeah. we don't know who makes it. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm very food Where does it come from? I know. I think Mindy Kaling got offended. I think I offended her terribly in, um, I, in a lot of ways. I could see you offending lots of people. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. I understand like, it. You do? Yeah, of course. Wow. You, you, uh, you, I think the whole point- Slightly insensitive? Is that- Well, the way that this works is if you're not honest, how can I be honest, right? <sighs> yeah. And I think some people come in, look, like I know you, I'm a huge fan of yours and I'm happy to be here. Right. And I imagine some people sit in this chair like, I heard this was a popular podcast, but like- Oh yeah. I don't know. What- Mindy was a while ago though. And I, you know, and I don't, I think it was probably a bad idea. My insecurities also don't lie in this space. Like, I love taking the piss. I love comedy. Yeah. My insecurities are like the Oscars. Yeah. Like being there. We're going to get to that. Apparently, we got we got to rerouted. So you're growing up. Oh, see that? You hear that? Yeah, but I don't know if that was you or me. It was me. Well done. But it, was, it wasn't a burp, though. It was just a buildup. Yeah, it was a baby. It yeah. was a release. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a, a an aborted, release. An aborted yeah. Burp. It's like, come on. Not quite a <laughs> Didn't It didn't take shape. No, it'll get there, though. We'll get some good ones. I, I'm trying not to. So you're in Baltimore, the good part. You're obviously living, you're not, you know. Well, no, we were in the city, like in the Baltimore city. I, I know, think, but your parents had good jobs. So the immigrant experience, when did they come over here? They came College? In, no, they came after they got their PhDs. Oh, so, so they did yeah. their the whole thing. I think it's called grad school. I don't even know. And then they got their PhDs. Well, are they medical doctors or just research no doctors? No, research doctors, okay. yeah. And then um, I was born in 83, and we had the ideal immigrant experience, which is you start very in the inner city, and you move to a suburb of said inner city, and then now they're in a suburb of D.C. in a beautiful community, yeah. and they're, they do well. And now, when how many siblings you got? Only child. Really? Yep. Oh, and you got all fucked up? You, yeah, they, I got all, all bets are on you. Yeah, 100%. You just, you have a uh, brother, right? Yeah. So you kind of just grow up wishing you had someone to just be like, yo, is it just me or are these two fucking crazy? <laughs> like, is it just me? It can't There's, just be me. That's interesting because no one to ask. There's no one to sort of bounce just, it up or no one to see, how come you're not getting as fucked up as I am? Yeah, or just- How are you turning out okay? And he, if I had had a sibling, they would have turned out okay. I imagine them being like- yeah. I, yeah, if I had a sibling, they'd have been the favorite. Now, with other immigrants that I've spoken to or children of immigrants, there's that pressure thing. Of course. Is that a real thing for yeah. you? Like, did they want you to go into the nuanced, focused profession of biological research? Yeah, 100%. Doctor? Yeah, they were like, come on, man, just be a PhD. It's easy. A PhD, oh, really? <laughs> it's like, that's all they know. Yeah. That's what gave them safety. But the, who did your mom cook? My mom was- Let's get back to the food. Yeah. So it was all vegetarian food growing up? It No, she started cooking chicken, but like mm. she never ate it because she's a vegetarian. Vegetarian by just by growing up by in that religion? I think by choice. I think she lost the taste for meat. So when I was in her stomach, when uh. she was pregnant, she would be eating Big Macs and Whoppers. I guess there was some- Oh yeah, you get that. There you, was some promotion, right? Whopper beat the Big Mac, Big Mac beat the Whopper. And all, both are good for pregnant ladies. 
and they would she would scarf and then shrimp fried rice to speak of your uh, Asian American uh-huh. uh, knowledge. How do you know this? Because she'd tell me. Oh. She was like, I ate a ton of uh, hamburgers. Oh, so they were trying to understand how you turned out the way you did? <laughs> Maybe. She's like, you love Chinese food. It's because I ate <laughs> that when I was, you were in my belly. Um, she grew up, she like would wake up super early, go to NIH, come home, cook. Like she was a, su- she you know, was a superhero. But, but like your grandparents in India. Yeah. They're there still? I have one grandmother who's 94 in India. Uh-huh. And uh, it's cool. I know we're jumping around a lot, but she just got to read. I made, because of that Oscars thing, I made the front page in India in like all the papers, uh-huh. which wasn't expected. Yeah. And she got to, she doesn't speak English, but she got to sort of read an article about me in her mother tongue. Oh. Which is super cool, man. Do you speak that tongue? It's Marathi and no. Oh. It, I, my dad very kindly says we didn't want to overwhelm you by teaching you another language, uh-huh. which is like a sweet way to say I think they thought i was dumb like they didn't want to confuse me with that <laughs> and i wasn't like an exceptional child like some people are i don't know about you but like i'm but not they, but but they could have brought you up speaking it if they wanted to yeah i think it sounds more like one of those weird i think that they they probably wanted you to be american mm-hmm. i think assimilation was really important to mm-hmm. them and they should have given me a, a, an easier name i think in retrospect they might have given me a different name Utkar Shambutkar is like, I no, feel they, so bad for people when they hear it for the first time. Yeah. It what? really confuses the shit out of white people, Americans in general. And that's a lot, man. There's a lot of- <laughs> There's a lot of sounds you're not used to putting yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but okay, but so what religion was, were they? So my mother uh, was raised Hindu and my dad Hindu, is- that's what I was Jain, for. which is sort Jain? of the Orthodox Jew of Hinduism. Really? Oh, Yeah. Like it's very strict. No eating after sundown. No eating no, any meat. No root vegetables. Very food based. Both of them. Yep, diet based. My grandmother, my dad's mother, prays. Was it vegetarian? Mm-hmm. That's that's the Hindu thing, right? Yep. Yep. Huh. But also, I mean, no. But Hindus, I think Hindus eat meat in the right. north. There's no cows. Um, technically, no cows. Yeah. Right. That's the trip. That's the trip. No cows for they're and, sacred. Uh, but like, what? So the he, the Hindu deities, the blue guy. There's several different colors of deities. The blue one is Shiva. Yeah. And then, oh, Krishna is Ganesh, also blue. Is Ganesh a Hindu dude? He's a, he's a god. Ganesh is Shiva's son. I like Ganesh. I, I do have too. Ganesh's around. I have a tattoo right here on my oh, forearm. That's yeah. great. Gane- why, what, what does Ganesh mean to you? Well, it's sort of like uh, knowledge, prosperity, wealth. Great looking deity with the elephant head, many arms. Great looking. He's cute, adorable. Oh, he's the best. Easily accessible to yeah, the Western world. Yeah, I've had several, several Ganeshes in my life. I think one of them's at, where's my, I had a very colorful Ganesh. That's great. That I, you, I have a um, I have a mezuzah on my door. Do you? On my, yeah, my house. Really? Yep, I got a mezuzah right you there. You didn't put it there though. Absolutely not, but I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a ohm thing hanging next to the mezuzah. I got everything covered. I got rosary. The Ganesh I got at, Sorry, now I'm really going. Uh, <laughs> the Ganesh I got at um, Bombay Spices over on uh, Los Feliz. Uh huh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's they've got the food there, the mm-hmm. buffet, but then they've got a lot of Indian stuff. Yeah, and you know, in, there's Indian colors are amazing. Even the shitty plastic things are very beautifully colorful. Yeah, we know how to so, color, yeah, color I got things. A, I got a shitty plastic Ganesh that's so beautiful. Yeah, there's no beige, no beige in our culture. Well, it's just uh, lit up, man. Mm-hmm. Lit up that elephant-headed guy. So there you are, you're hanging out, you're what, you're, you're getting into hip-hop? Yep. What's, is yeah. that what's happening? You're a hip-hop guy. 
I am. I am. Is it interesting? Do you find that? Because I talked to Jimmy O. Yang. I, yeah, I love his stand up. Yeah, he's like huge hip hop. He grew up, He that's how he learned about American culture. Yeah, I remember. I've seen all his stand up. For me, it was, you know, I grew up on pop music. Yeah. So I wasn't like soul, Motown, R&B, same thing as you. I know you yeah. every, You guys all have a Paul Simon record. We had yeah. a Paul Simon record. We had we? Graceland. You're talking about the collective we of Indian people? Uh, my, family? my family. Okay. Because um, no, you and Ben Schwartz said that every Jewish person has a Paul Simon record. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, I'm no, like quoting judging, your podcast. Ju- judging by the, uh, the millions of dollars Paul Simon has, I'm sure it, it was expanded beyond Jewish households. Yeah, who were buying the Paul Simon? We record. had a part in that as well. Yeah, we supported. Yeah, um, but hip hop started in like second or third grade, and for me, that those are like the quintessential years for me. That's when like the Chronic drops, Snoop yeah. Dogg, Doggy Style dropped, um, Cypress Hill. You're in second Ice grade. Ice Cube, third grade. Third grade. It's that's what's soaking in. In like uh, House of Pain, heavy like, stuff. Well, it was really like we didn't know it was heavy. It was pop music. Right. It was on the regular top forty radio. Mm-hmm. And around that same time, there was a feeling of like otherness. You know, it was like there was some, Maryland is pretty Southern. People don't really realize that, but people still uh, drive around with Confederate flags on their trucks and and things like that. And sort of some of the white kids started calling me the N-word and the black kids were like, well, you're with us. (laughs) And I was like, are you sure? And they were like, yeah, what are you? And I was like, I'm Indian. They were like, well, we don't know where the fuck that is, but he called you the N-word. So now- (laughs) You're with us. That actually happened. Yeah. That discussion. Basically, like, that sort of was like, I I feel spiritually like being taken under someone's wing, but yeah. I think it was a collective culture of just like, you know, he used to, he's brought you into to, to our group yeah. now by, yeah. by way of oppression and prejudice. Yeah. And, um, and so I sort of embraced that, that, that culture as it were. And just, you let the racist decide your future? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And also, like, you know, you just come to find you're good at something. Yeah. I just had tape recorders always, and I was always singing little melodies. Oh, and, so you're saying that once you started hanging out with the black dudes, and you're, already, you're, only into, you're already into the music. I'm into popular. the music. I'm and making stuff up. And then the, the up. one fucking, you know, redneck <clears throat> calls you the N-word, and you're like, I guess I'm going to start singing now. Well, I had like these dreams of like being like boys to men and yeah. singing and then I just kept going with it. And I don't know, it's funny in retrospect, like did I do it because I enjoyed it or because it got me attention? And I don't I, know, man. It's a, it's a real skill set. It, you know, my limited experience or my limited knowledge of hip hop is it's always impressive, you know, that there's a real context and there's a real skill set that has to be engaged and there's a way to innovate and express yourself very specifically. I mean, you know. Yeah, and it's fun. It's a party trick. It started as a party trick to talk about what's in the room. Yeah. Uh, like, are, there, are there, could you teach a class in freestyle? Absolutely. Really? I think I could. I, I mean, you'd have to have rhythm and flow, but I can teach you Marin, staring, preparing, uh-huh. Bobby McFerrin, uh-huh. you know, yeah. add an ing. That's a gerund. Like I could, I could teach you tricks, 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 and skills. But sort of like if you can't get in the flow and tell the truth, it's the same thing that you do. Yeah. All I do is I tell the truth, but I rhyme when I do it. Yeah, but doesn't sometimes the rhyme makes it a little sillier, a little easier to? It makes it tr- easier. The truth of the moment. Well, I get away. Yeah. But with rhyming, when sometimes shit isn't that funny. Yeah. But I got the magic trick of the rhyme. Right. To cover it up. Yeah. Whereas, like, when, as you know, when you're doing stand up, if your content isn't solid, yeah. maybe you can get away with the delivery. Mm. 
uh, getting a laugh, but you can't really like. L- I mean, there's so many comedians that actually only live on delivery and personality. Sure, it's part of it. Um, but like, okay, so the so this was a way for you to express. Yeah, it just sort of naturally happened. I'd make songs up. It's very about immediate, people. though. Like you know, when you do that thing, when you freestyle with somebody else, or you're going doing one of those you know duels. Battle, <laughs> battle. Thank the, you for calling it a duel, though. It makes it much more classy. The, the battle. I want to duel you. That they're they're you know they're yeah you can that's the amazing thing about rap in general is just the amount of words and what can be expressed in the shortest amount of time. Yeah, and uh, how you use it, right? Yeah. I mean, you can use it to self-aggrandize. You can use it for social justice. You can use it for, to party. I yeah. mean, you can use it in so many different ways. You can toast, you can MC. you can control the to mic. To tell a story. Ideally, you're telling a story, yeah. I, yeah, so I would think that the more personal, you know, those personal beats and my recollection of raps that have been that where you can really kind of set a scene. Have you ever been a fan of hip hop? Have you ever sort of- Well, I've listened to my, I, there were different points in my life where, you know, the bigger artists, I'd get their records because it was sort of, and I was old, you know, it was not my childhood, certainly. Yeah. But I, I certainly listened to a lot of Jay Z. I listened to the first few Kanye records a lot. I listened to. Um, I had a Ghetto Boys record, Cypress Hill record. I so you know, to, yeah, you you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I listened to. I had the Snoop record, I had mm-hmm. some Dre records, but they were usually the big records. They don't run very deep. I'm, I'm listening to the hip. The hip I stuff. hear you. Yeah. yeah, and vice versa for me with like rock and yeah. and those types of things, right? Yeah. Like I got like a Strokes album, and yeah, I got a couple Weezer albums. Sure, and, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I did but, my due diligence. But right, <laughs> like, but the rap records, you've got ten of yeah, the one guy, yes, and, exactly, and you know the other guy that used to be in the band right. and then yeah i don't have any like rivers cuomo b-sides but you know i know they exist <laughs> yeah well that's a that's actually a fairly deep hole that weezer hole yeah it is it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. a deep trench yeah, i've only got a couple weezer <laughs> records i kind of spread it out you know what i mean yeah i hear you but i did like uh i did love um i've actually got that uh what is it the the remix of the White Album, the Gray Album. Oh, it's with Jay Z, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Danger Mouse, Danger Mouse, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Are we doing? Am I part of like a double episode? Where no, like, no, 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 no. Really? What do you mean? We don't do those anymore. You don't? No, I mean I don't think so. It seems like we're going okay. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, no, it's not going to be one of the situations I was where telling. I got everything I could out of him. <laughs> I was Came up my... a little short. Just, <laughs> I was telling my wife, I was like, I'm gonna be on a double LP. This one, I'm gonna be the first. He's gonna talk for 15. Mm. I'm gonna go for 15, and then Patrick Stewart is gonna be the no. main guest. No, you're it, buddy. Thanks, pal. So, when did it become a serious thing, the hip hop business? In college, I would say. So, like, I, what were you going to college for? I went for acting. I t- did a BFA in. in so you told your scientist drama. parents that you're gonna be an actor. Yeah, huh. yeah, I did. How'd I that found go? it was not. Taken with a lot of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, just to breeze through, doing well, making up songs, having fun, wanted to be a professional basketball player. That was my trajectory. I was. That was be... it. So not even a musician. Fuck all that. Were you I'm... a good ball player? I mean, I'll tell you yes, and I still can play on the weekends, yeah. and I can hold my own with people. You know, I, I'm a functional basketball player at 36, but. No, there's no chance that I would have made it to the NBA. <laughs> Ever. But everything I do yeah. now is like 
plan B because I failed at my first dream, which was to be in the NBA. Huh. Um, That's how you see it. I still hold on to it like a lost opportunity. Maybe you should work that out with a with an inventory. I should. I should. Yeah. <laughs> I resent the National Basketball Association. <laughs> I resent genetics. Um, yeah. My part is yeah. I'm full of shit. Um, but uh, I uh, I started. I found theater yeah. in. Um, in high school, I had moved in eighth grade to a new high school and felt pretty. Why the move? I think my parents just wanted to move to a better school district. Oh. They wanted to move oh, they closer moved. to okay. NIH. Yeah. 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 And I was feeling out of place and I found theater and I had an aptitude for that sort of attention. Out of place, why? Because it was a, a nicer school, less integrated. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> More polite people. Yeah, you sort of hit it right on the head. <laughs> Where 100%. were your homeboys? We went, yeah, exactly, dude. Right. We went from like a nice pair of sweatpants would get you in to yeah. like you need, I mean, at the time it was like Tommy Hilfiger, Nautica, uh-huh. a bunch of things that like the price to just yeah. show up looking like other people. You jumped a class. A hundred percent. Right. And like I showed up to school. I remember on my first day in a Michael Jordan jersey. Yeah. Like this is the best thing I got. Yeah. This is the (laughs) fanciest I get. Yeah. And just looking around and being like, I am out of my fucking element. (laughs) There's no way I can compete with these people. And then plus you show up anywhere new. Like now I have a certain amount of grace about it. But with my name, it was always such a a hard uh, transition just to get people to address me. Do you have a nickname? There have been so many nicknames ar- around. What the do you way. answer to? I answer to Utkarsh, and then my friends, for some reason, call me UTK. Yeah, which is more syllables than my real name. Yeah, sounds cool. Yeah, so I take UTK. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right. I mean, it makes me sound like I'm proficient in something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ice Cube wouldn't call me UTK. We did a barbershop movie together, and he's like, "Man, I can't say your name. How do I say your name?" I was like, "Just call me UTK." And he's like, "No, nah, that's too cool." <laughs> he was like, "That you don't deserve a name like that." I was like, "All right then, Mr. Q. Thank you, Mr. Jackson." Uh, here I am. Wor- when did you work with Ice Cube? Four or five years ago. Was that a big deal for you? Huge. Everything's a big deal for me. This is a huge fucking but he's deal gotta, for me. But he's got to be a hero. Of course. I was on a set with Ice Cube, Common, Eve. Um, Nicki Minaj was there, but I'm not like, I didn't yeah. grow up in right. awe of her. Right. But just like picking their brains constantly, like doing lyrics with them. Cedric the Entertainer, who I know you've had here, yeah, who's like him. one of the- and JB Smooth, who I don't know if you've had. I've had him, yeah. Dude, these Cedric and JB are two of the most like blackout, like lose your mind improvisers I've ever seen. Really? Of just like going for like take after take, minute after minute, and then you're like, Cedric, do that again, and he's like, I don't know what I did. It's brilliance at yeah, work. Yeah. And just clowning each other, the stories that they would tell. But I'm just like peppering questions. Ice Cube always. I'm like. This is a little inside baseball, but I'm like, what happened with Westside Connection? How come you and Mac Ten aren't making music anymore? Yeah. What's going on? And like, he'd answer me, and um, he'd be like, "Well, this went down, and this is how I feel." And I don't want to talk out of turn, but like, he would share this information with yeah. me, and I'm like, looking at the dude who founded rap as we know it, yeah. with just like, you know, a crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube. Boom. Yeah. Nuclear. That's the Big Bang of hip hop in right. many ways, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a second Big Bang. Right. Um, but I remember he calls me over. We're like in between takes, right? Yeah. And I would go have a cigarette and just sort of sit by myself like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. And uh, he calls me over and he's got this pill stereo, this Beats pill. Yeah. He's like, hey man, come here. And I was like, oh. so I immediately start shaking, right? And uh, fear is a big 
thing for me. Yeah. Just like, I don't belong here and I'm not going to pretend that I do. <laughs> like a lot of people are like, fake it till you make it. I'm like, no, nah, dude, I'm genuinely going to be <laughs> nervous, shitting my pants always. Yeah. So he brings me over and he plays me an entire unreleased Ice Cube album. <laughs> Just him and me in front of his blacked out Escalade. Yeah. And he's like, what do you think? And he's just playing me track after track after track. Because he knew you were a fan? Huge fan. Yeah. I let that be known. Yeah. I was like, you got to sign this for me. You got to do that. <laughs> like, I'm not shy about if if I love someone's work. And right. if I don't, I'm, I'm, I'll say good luck and God bless you. And yeah. I wish you all the best. Right. But, um, so he chose you. He's like, this kid will give me an honest read. Oh, man. I was so excited. Yeah. I, and I said to him, and I know I'm not cool. Like, I know I'm a nerd when it yeah. comes to this shit. And I said to him, I was like, you're never going to, my friends aren't going to believe this. I was like, I know I'm supposed to be behaving cool. I said this out loud. I was like, yeah. Mr. Cube, sir. I was like, I know I'm supposed to be cool right now, but this is the coolest shit that's ever happened to me. This is incredible and I can't stop shaking. And I thank you. And he's just like, he's like, all right, all right, all right. And he's still, if I send him a text, I'll be like, hey, Ice, it's Utkarsh. I, I, you starred with me yeah. in Barbershop, right. the next cut. I yeah. was I pretty much stole the whole movie. Yeah. You might not remember me. Just hoping you have a good holiday. And every time he's like, "Man, stop asking me if I remember you. I remember you. Leave me alone." Same text every time. Same exact text. But what did you think of the music? I loved it. It's yeah. vintage Cube, and that most of that. Which um, record did it turn into? It turned into his last, the most recent record, which I can't remember the title yeah. of. But it came out early last year. Yeah. And it's got like tracks called like Kill the President on it. It's yeah. like a very Ice Cube. Like, uh -huh. Don't have no haters. Chemicals. He rhymes chemicals with peels. It's vintage ice. <laughs> and like most of the kids today aren't aren't going to love that. But Really? Hip hop is totally different. What are they going to love? Well, hip hop is more like R&B now. Yeah. Hip hop is sort of this lean, the drink leaned mm -hmm. out, drugged out, at least the sound of it. It's very like Bone Thugs and Harmony. Everything is super triplet. It's yeah. like when I'm ripping the triplet, killing and everybody did it. Uh, yeah. And I got the hoe on the knees and I do it if I'm at the show. Yeah. And it's very um, catchy. I mean, yeah. it sounds cool, but it's not what I came up with. So it doesn't hit me in my heart center. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't feel moved by it. There's no one doing that anymore? Sure. Like, J. Cole's rapping, Kendrick is rapping, but nobody's hitting like that boom bap, like that. <laughs> That shit that you're like makes you want to punch somebody in the throat. Like that, that's not happening. <laughs> no more. No, I want to, and I'm not violent enough. Like I couldn't carry that. I couldn't right. make like punch people in the throat music. Yeah, they right. they do a background check and be like, you, <laughs> not the guy. you don't have the credibility for this. So you're in college and you're you're doing the theater thing. Mm. So I fall in love with theater in high school. I find that I'm like have an aptitude yeah. for it. Yeah, I'm doing it on a level and I'm improvising all the lines on stage. I don't know that you're not supposed to do it. So like the first play I did was like a Shakespeare play and I'm improvising in and around the lines. I mean, was there no one directing the play? Yeah, but the yes, um Marion DeGiulio was uh -huh. her name. But like she said, you know, you're very good at this and I was getting laughs, laughs and I was <laughs> yeah. sort of drunk on the laughter. Um never thought to do stand up? I've tried it twice and I started too late. Mm. I started after I had like booked a pilot and after I'd done some commercials and some yeah. TV stuff and I realized what you do is exceptionally difficult. Um, the bringer shows, I just didn't have the stomach for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is a means to getting a TV deal. It's not something I want to do every night. 
Oh, okay. So I didn't feel like you you you, you wasn't a your longing passion. for it. No, like right. on the drive here, like I had instrumental beats on and I rapped the whole 20 25 minute drive here. Yeah. Like I love that. Instrumental beats that means just no no raps. Oh, right. Just right. In, instrumentals, yeah. yeah. Just so beats. so you could do it. Yeah, exactly. Just right. so I can keep the muscle sharp. Okay. But I'm not going to be like writing jokes the way I imagine you do or Seinfeld does or uh-huh. even Eddie Murphy's probably even though he hasn't right. been a special in 35 years. Well, my my process is like yours. I go on stage and improvise. Yeah, which is wild cuz again in that Ben Schwartz is a buddy of mine and in that interview you said that improv terrifies you, but then the whole sort of trust movie was improvised, right? Right. Well, it, it's but but there's a difference in kind of emotional there's a difference for me there, I know what improvisers do, and when you've got a muscle to get laughs improvising, you know, with other people, you know, to be sort of giving in that way and and to to work like that. Most of my improvising comedically is done with myself and an audience. Mm-hmm. You you know, moving through ideas, of course. So I create that that conversation, the conversation with other people. My fear on sort of trust was from the beginning. I told Lynn after three days, I said, you know, the, a lot of these people are very broad improvisers that can you know drop in and out of these you know these bits bits and characters, and I'm just going to end up being the straight guy here if we don't get people into some real groove. So my groove is always going to be kind of real. I, I'm not going to be like, oh, here we go. I'm talking like this. Yeah. So, but so I always associate you know the Schwartzian you know, Del Close and, you know, that that trip as as being, you know, Second City, you know, as being proficient in being able to drop into fairly convincing comedic characters. In, yeah, Schwartz is like a master at that shit. Yeah. But the sort of trust stuff and the improvising that you're talking about to me is infinitely more interesting. Mm. To be able to improvise with given stakes, stay grounded, be rooted in reality like that's that the, I can do. Yeah, and you do it really well. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, that's something with the Freestyle Love Supreme show with the freestyle rap. Yeah. It's a comedy show. Right. But the most special parts for me where it opens up and it becomes something other than where like the uh, opportunity for like real truthful expression. Yeah. Which is like kind of what I think the ethos of like this podcast is. Like mm. you're you're one of these people that I look at as somebody who appreciates seeks and sort of really like relishes in the dark truth like mm. sort of the underbelly yeah you like going under the boat and seeing what the hell's like yeah. grown on it over the years sure but like when you'd be I, amazed at how many boats have similar growths under them i yeah i imagine <laughs> i mean you live in it's glendale there's <laughs> no but i know but i mean yeah in general talking to people the menu of you know sort of you know transgression or or choi- life choices that that beat people up. Yeah, it, it's it's finite, really. Well, yeah. yeah, it's either like I was too selfish here, I burned the bridge there, and fucking killed that guy. There. Yeah, yeah, it's like I couldn't threw up on that guy. My, there. Yeah, my dad did this, and then I couldn't show up on time. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and that's yeah. why I live in the street. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> by choice. Um, but uh, yeah, when I'm rapping and I can really talk about things that sort of transcend the idea of humor, whether it's sobriety or the South Asian American experience or sort of what it's like to feel other mental health, like Mm. people dealing with anxiety, but I'm doing it in the moment. It's totally improvised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's your reality mentally and and in life. That shit's exciting. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. It's very exciting because a lot of times, 
like you said, I mean, it's going to land a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing straight up stand up and some of this shit, I know it's going to land weird and people aren't going to know what to do with it or process it. And the, the, ex, the expectation is to process it through comedy or to have the experience of being entertained or laughing. But I've done many bits in my life where people are just sort of like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, and which is a right. cool feeling. To uh, to yeah. make somebody feel that way is pretty. Uh, it, is. I, it tickles me. It does me too. But say, but yeah, I, over time I've I realize when those are, and I'm like, all right, let's let's cleanse the palate a little bit. Let's right. lighten it up. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. You know, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's so pull out and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> regroup. Uh, so, birds. You're like, yeah, oh, exactly. Bird, those oh, wings. They're man. little dinosaurs. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> now back to my father. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so. So you're doing the you're riffing the Shakespeare, but yeah, like, and then I and then I tell my parents I want to act, I want to go to college to act, and they go the only Indian. Oh, so the Shakespeare riffing was in high school. High school, and oh, then so. I go to. Um, That's why the director. I go to didn't, my parents and I go. Uh, about it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah what a, I mean. Yeah. But I see that I have an aptitude yeah. for it, and I think people respond to it, and I go, "Mom, Dad, I want to do this for my life," and mm. they go, "The only Indian on TV is Apu on The Simpsons, and mm. he's a fucking cartoon voiced by a white guy." So yeah. what makes you Hank Azaria, who now is my good friend, but like uh, you know, did Brockmire with him? Is I that, did. That's done, right? I don't know actually. Fucking <laughs> text him, be like, "Hey man, one of the fine guys." Um, I know they did seasons three and four. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. But he's like a wildly talented guy. Oh yeah. Um, and a great teacher as well. Open to like questions. You know, I like asking questions. Yeah. And it's nice when people answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of them. But um, did you did you take him to task for Apu? Yeah, yeah, we had a lot of conversations about that. Oh, yeah? I mean, I ended up being in this documentary called The Problem with Apu. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah. That my friend Hari Kundabolu made. I know Hari, I just was texting with him. Yeah, he's a he's a f- amazing stand-up. I, he's, I'm one of, he's one of my favorites. I, I, he approached me. He really? Before he started. Like, he just a sort of, like, strangely intense, you know, very uncomfortable... Seemingly angry dude. He's he's got that anger. Like he, gene. But he came up to me, and it was in in. I don't know. If, I remember if he, if I feel like we're kindred spirits, and I, I represented something to him early on. I, and I know we've talked about it. I can't remember if I've had him on a full episode or he was just on a live one. If I haven't had him on a full episode, I probably should. But I feel like he was just on a live one. He's but, brilliant. Yeah, but we've always had this thing. You guys have a similar shade about you from yes. what I know of you from exactly. your work. And you know, he came up to me and I remember he asked me about stand-up and what he should do and whether he should do it. We had like a conversation at the Comedy Cellar and there was sort of this, I was there at the beginning of that guy. And then... uh and then, like, I, I don't know what's happened over time. I think we're okay. He just texted me because he's producing. Uh, I think that Apu thing was really uh, ultimately, um, I don't know if tra- trauma is the right word, but it certainly wasn't easy for him. Mm. He caught a lot of negativity from a lot of people for trying to shed light on how South Asians have been seen, at least in, in Hollywood. Yeah. And, dude, there's so many people listening to this podcast right now who just turned it off, who are like, no. I can't hear another goddamn thing about fucking South Asians. diversity and equality. And I think you're misjudging my audience. I Oh, I hope so. I hope you guys yeah. are still here. But <laughs> Hurry wanted to shed light on that, and the character of Apu was sort of the through line or the entryway into that larger conversation. Hank kind of got caught as collateral damage uh-huh. as a result of that because he voices uh-huh. Apu. And I remember when we were shooting Brockmire, 
I was like, oh shit, I was in this dock and it shit all over this guy. Yeah. And I absolutely cannot tell him while we're working together that that's the case because- What, he didn't see it? He hadn't seen it yet. Oh, it no, wasn't it hadn't out come yet? out yet. Oh. So I was like, stay Good on the call. hush. See what you yeah. learned? <laughs> I was like, let me just work with this guy and learn as much as I can. Yeah. He's one of, he's the most prepared actor I've ever worked with. Oh, he's a very anal dude, man. He is very detail oriented. <laughs> okay, that's a is... nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards, I shot him an email and I was like, yeah. Hank, working with you was a true gift. And it was. I yeah. learned so much from him. And I just need to let you know that I'm in this doc called Problem with a Pooh. Um, and I don't say kind things about the character. I'm very honest about yeah. how I feel about it, which yeah. is, you know, I think it's set. It certainly was the bane of my, one of the bane, it was between that and Temple of Doom. Yeah. Childhood was was difficult. Yeah. Um, as far as bullying was concerned. Um, there was some very low hanging fruit for people to reach from, reach <laughs> yeah, for. Sure, yeah. Like you eat monkey brains and you got slushies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That was it. It was it, and I was like, well, "Oh, they, sick but, burn!" But that's like, sort of you, the, you have everything else. <laughs> it's I guess it's sort of the benefit of not being a broader stereotype is that yeah. there there was sort of a hackneyed nature to the limited yeah. oeuvre of insulting Southeast Asians. Hey, curry boy. Yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. it's true. Well, I mean, I bet you there's a lot more in England. Oh yeah, for sure. Every country, every immigrant experience is country based in the sense that like. U UK Indians and America, uh, South They've Asian been there Americans. longer, and there's a history of colonialism. Yeah, it's a Here, whole it's different the, ball game. Oh, for sure, man. Here we're, you know, there's different conversations happening in America yeah. that you know we are not a, Tell necessarily Harley, I, a part of. We, I got to have him on. I only, Please I had him do. on a, I had him on a live one in Portland. He's brilliant. Truly, nah, look, I, you don't got to tell me. It's just like he sort of annoyed me because of it. we're similar. I know how that feels. I know how that feels. So hold on, I'm going to tell him right now. Oh, okay. I'm talking. Oh, now I got to spell your fucking name. U T K A R A R S H S H. Um, <laughs> what if like everywhere you went, people were like Mers, Mers, and you were like Mark? What? My Merch, Mer, Mars. <laughs> No, it's Mark. It's just how it's spelled. I'll say. I don't get it. Can't believe you haven't been on. <laughs> been on for a whole one. He's going to be like, I love that guy, and you're right. Right. So what were, what were we doing? Oh, we're talking about Apu. We, we were talking about, about Apu, Azaria. Parents are like, you shouldn't do that. All right, that's it. I ended up auditioning for all the schools. I think my dad, you know, for being a scientist, he chased that. Mm. He had a passion for yeah. it. And so I think he appreciated it. I did the college appreciated thing. Appreciated your, your- The passion, the sort good. of like oh, the good. idea that this kid's going for something. Right. They're that's just good. afraid. They're like, we came to They're the US afraid. so you could be right. what? That's right. It's always, usually if it's not resentment, which is rare, it's just sort of like, what? Are, we're not, we're not going to feed you forever. Also, right, like, like we right. will feed you forever. <laughs> why don't you just, because they're Indian, why don't you just live in the basement and not have to go through the pain of the failure that is sure to, you know, befall you. Yeah, he just said Ut Utkarsh is wonderful. Oh, I told you. But see, but he's a guy that uses that word. Do you use that wonderful. word? Yeah, do. Um, Would you I use that use... in a rap? No, because it doesn't rhyme well. Right, but it's also like, what kind of word is that? Yeah, wonderful. 
No, I mean, it's just sort of like, that's wonderful. It's, it makes me uncomfortable wonderful. to say it, but it's, I'm glad he said it. It's he said one of these days. Yeah, we say wonderful. I say wonderful. You do. I do. What a wonderful thing to say. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, nice. Good for you. My wife used a word the other day that I've never heard spoken. She smelled something and she said, oh, that is repugnant. That's good. And I, was, I started laughing because I'd never heard it said That's out a loud. good rap word. I thought it was so you funny. You could use that word. Yeah. Repugnant. In the dungeon drugged in uh anyway but uh is so your wife uh, she's Indian? kiwi she's kiwi. New, from new zealand she's half samoan and half european european just general she, european oh that's repugnant and i was like oh my god you sound amazing <laughs> that's great you ever so all right so you, you you apply to all the schools apply to all the schools get into nyu start the college acting world that life do some plays find that uh Rapping is what feels good, and I start studying it like it's a like a job. So after the theater, so you do some plays, you're acting, but you you land on rap. I land on rap, dude, because everything in school, like Shanley, Ibsen, Chekhov, yeah, all of these roles are written for white white See, people. Like even just the way you said that, I thought there was gonna be a rap there. <laughs> yeah, Shanley, Ibsen, Chekhov. Yeah, I couldn't get that because my skin ain't soft. Oh, yeah, too so. full of melanin to play any of those gentlemen. Um, You've never said that before? Melanin and gentlemen, Maryland. Yeah, elephant, eloquent. Okay. Enveloping. That's yeah. part of your toolbox. There's, yeah, that's a big part. Those triple letter <laughs> triple letter rhymes for melanin are way at the top of the toolbox. They're right in there. It's the hammer and nail for me. I got it. Um, it's like, yeah. That's the thread. It's basically, yeah, exactly. It's pretty much go-to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, okay, all right. So, so then, so, oh, I, I get it. I get I it. You were mis not represented, and yeah. you didn't necessarily want to go the experimental route and be the uh, no the uh, Indian guy in the in the in the Ibsen play. No, and they wouldn't have let me. That's really? the thing. That like I remember get, having arguments of being like, why can't I do Chekhov? Why can't I do um, really the Seagull? What and kind of like, fucking well, school is that? Because they're Russian people. What are, kind of they're school is that? Russian. I'm like, well, what about the plays for Indian people? And there's a play called like the perfect Ganesh. And I was like, I don't want to play fucking Ganesh. I just want to play what you get to play. I want to do Lonergan and I want to do Bogosian. And, and they I wouldn't do it? I mean, there was arguments about it. Wow. And then so, this is with who? The faculty? Faculty, students. What yeah. the fuck? So I that show seems up. crazy. I mean, school, I, I love the vocal training I got, the movement training. Mm. The people that I met there mm. are some of the most brilliant people that are still working today. You know, I was in Cyphers. That's where you rap in a circle. I was in Cyphers with Donald Glover, and I wrote a play that Zoe Lister-Jones- They went to school with you? Mm-hmm. Zoe Lister-Jones, you know, rapped. I wrote this hip-hop play, and she was one of the characters in it. I remember. Super cool. Um, so he's your he's your crew? Donald Glover was a dude, if I saw at a party, I got scared, because I knew he could rap his ass off. Yeah. And I knew we would end up in a circle together, and I was going to have to fucking hear somebody who- was as good, if not, to be honest, better than me. Yeah. And he was clear-headed and clear-eyed at the time. He was an RA. He was yeah. a resident advisor. Uh -huh. I went over to his um, dorm room to record a track together, and I like rolled up a blunt. And he was like, you can't smoke that here. I'm an RA. Yeah. So stupid. I like walked around Washington Square Park yeah. in 2003 smoking weed. Highly illegal at the time. And then I went up and I did this rap. I was like, I'm just going to freestyle. Like yeah. if I could go back in time to that moment, I would have written a proper. Where'd rap. you wait? Where'd you go to college? I went to NYU. Oh, so you're the Tisch school. I went to Tisch. Yeah, and they wouldn't let you play Ibsen parts. You know, it was just like it just didn't. All right. 
Yeah, and it's preschool too. Like you're in acting school and someone's like, okay, we're all going to pretend we're cold. And I looked around and I was like, oh Lord, yeah. I'm like in kindergarten. Yeah. I'm in preschool for a hundred and God knows how many thousand dollars a year. So who else was in, in the in the school with you? They're all still my good friends. Um, Mostly they're writers and actors now. D.R. Kilpatrick. Out um, here? Mm-hmm. She yeah. writes on The Last OG and she has a run this season. Miles Orion Feldsot, who's a act, uh, writer yeah. and a showrunner, he just did Dead, Deadly Class. Jamie King, who wrote on Jessica Jones, um, they're all my still my close friends. Um, yeah, Malcolm Barrett, who was just on Timeless, um, and he's always working. Wade Elaine Marcus, whose mother, Stephanie Elaine, produced the Oscars. So that's how you got the opening so to the Oscars. So Stephanie Elaine knows me since I'm 18, 19. Her yeah. son, Wade, who's a phenomenal actor, musician, writer. Yeah. Uh, we've been in groups together and th- hip-hop theater programs, and we went to West Africa and taught hip-hop theater. I mean, he and I are... I, mean, I don't have brothers and sisters, so there's chosen family. Yeah. So he's like my bro. Um, and she hit me up, and she was like, we want you to write the opening number for the Oscars. Um, and I was like, uh, what? I've never done that. Sure. Why not? And she was like, we got Janelle Monet. So I was like, okay, I don't think Janelle Monet is going to want my input. She's a freaking legend. She's like the next iteration of Prince. Yeah. So it was real quiet. I went off and did a movie with Jillian in Boston called Godmothered. We're about to rap on that. Jillian Bell? Yep. Jillian Bell. Uh-huh. You, your co-worker, yeah. your yeah. fellow co-worker. Yep. And um, and then I got this call, and they were like, we want you to rap at the Oscars. We want you to do a mid-show recap. So pressure's off, no opening number. I don't have to write the opening number, but I do have to perform at the Oscars mid-show for a bunch of people who uh, I know I'm not going to feel comfortable around. Yeah. Like, mainly because they're super famous, and I've already established how much of a fucking fanboy I am. Um, I have no chill around people that I admire. Also, and you have been around people like this, but the level of wealth in the room and the way people act when they got fuck you money, when they got like fuck, like my kids can say fuck you money. Fuck you money for generations. Yeah, like I got grandchildren fuck you money. Yeah. Like I could cryogenically freeze myself for fun. Like I could go to space just to go. Yeah. Like that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. Like being in rooms like that. Yeah. It's pretty intimidating. And also it just feels kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And then they try to act like regular people. Like waiting on the bathroom and like Rita Wilson's there. And I'm like, you're probably the nicest person here. I have to go on stage. Can I please go to the bathroom? Like, and Hearst being like, yes, of course. But like Pacino's in the other stall. And you're like, what's happening right now? <laughs> I have to fucking rap for these people. Was he going, oh, oh. He, he kind of. Oh. There was, yeah. He makes a lot of noises. Oh, yeah. And you love every single one of them. You're like, oh, my God. He's fucking. He's grunting. Here we go. He's doing Pacino. Pacino. Oh yeah. It's like, dude, that's a great Pacino impression <laughs> that you're doing. He's like, it's me. Um, and then like walking out on stage, it's definitely like the scariest thing that I've done that I know I can do. It's a weird lonely island up there for a minute. Yeah. Because you also know that they're half paying attention and that it's a very strange s- situation. And you, you know what I, and I'm no good at them, but you realize like all I'm performing for is the camera mm-hmm. and that, that, you know, that's really what it's going to come down to. Yeah. And like I'd prepared, I'd spent a week sort of figuring out what the content would be. 
um, so that I could plug in winners. Like, also, the network wouldn't let me freestyle. I was like, I'm going to make it up. They're like, no, 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 you're not. We're going to say it's made up and you're going to be prepared, which actually helped me out because I got to learn it like a rap. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, well, dude, it's like I appreciate that spirit and I've done that before. Yeah. But if you, if you would have stuck by that and they would have let you, you would have fucked yourself. I think so, too. You would have been too nervous to pull it off. I was, I was terrified. Am, am I wrong? Not at all. Oh. You're a hundred percent right. My voice kept telling me the little guy in my head that is, uh, you know, likes to think of himself as the realist yeah. is like, um, you're gonna fuck this up. Like <laughs> yeah. you are too scared. Yeah, you're you have an ulcer. Yeah. Like you're gonna you die. Have an ulcer? No. Oh, but like you're giving yourself an ulcer. You're gonna diarrhea your pants. Yeah, you're gonna fucking lock. Do you eye. do that? Shit my pants? Yeah. No, but like I did have like violent diarrhea for the week before leading up to it. Yeah, my stomach. Really? Yeah, my reptile brain doesn't know that I'm just going to go rap. But like, right, but I mean, but in general, before you go on stage, you're a diarrhea guy or? Yeah, I get nauseous. Hmm. I mean, I give a fuck. I, no, I think I'm I just, probably no. care too much no, about but that's it. The way, it's just, but I get it, but I care too, but I'm never a diarrhea guy. <laughs> no, I, my belly, everything, my emotions go straight to my tum-tum. I go I, my chest. My chest tightens up. That happens for me too. Oh, you're you full, like full range. <laughs> full thing, man. Full beta blocker, beta blocker necessity. That beta blocker never worked for me. No? They work for you? They do. I mean, in, in my mind, they do. What, you mean just before you go on? Uh, Half hour? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Pop in that propanolol and just hope for the best. So you're in college and how so do you we start started, working? You started a group? Yeah, you don't call um, them a band. No. That's like No, old, what not. I did was I... I started like a hip hop theater program at NYU. And, but a, had that existed? Is there such no. a thing as hip hop theater? No. Uh, my professor, Daniel Banks, and a guy named Joby Earl and uh, Robbie Sublet and I basically just birthed this thing because I was, he was doing this class where we had to read all these books. And he was like, this is hip hop theater, but all it was was fucking books. And I kept ditching class to go write. What kind of books? What does that mean? I mean, like books by like, um, in Googie Wa Thiong about like ritualistic theater. And I was like, this is amazing that you on an academic level want to bring this to my brain. But my brain wants to fucking spit. I want to rap and I want to write and perform. And you need to provide a space. We need to provide a space for that. So we did. We started a practicum, did a show. And then summer before senior- a practicum? Yeah, it's like basically you just go, I mean- You got to get okayed? Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Um, just to fast forward, summer before senior year, I took this like on-camera acting class. It was like an NYU summer program. And you're meant to meet these casting agents and, and people every week. And at uh -huh. this point, I was like, fuck acting. I've, I'm done. I like ate way too many shrooms in college. My brain is fried. Shrooms was your thing? Everything. Weed, shrooms, not so much booze in college because I was underage. But like, I mean, I remember going to like a fish show and not getting in. But like there was acid, so I remember like tripping balls in like Howard Stern's basement, which is just something that happens when you go to NYU. What were you doing in Howard Stern's basement? His daughter and I were in acting school together. She's lovely. Emily is like the coolest. Um, I probably I don't know if I was supposed to share that, but hey. Um, well, you can decide. Anyway, I just was sort of done with it, and uh, I remember the first week I went into this agent. And she was like, you got to read this copy. And it was like Listerine or yeah. chewing gum or something right. like that. And I was like, oh, Listerine, you should take Listerine. It'll keep your breath fucking fresh, whatever. Yeah. And she was like, you can't say fuck in an audition. 
and I don't know where, I just had so much fuck it in me. Yeah. And I was like, listen, I don't give a shit about this. I just did f- three years of acting school. I know that you want diversity. Like, I, I'm Indian. You can sell that. Like, I can help you. I can make money doing this, and you can make money, but I'm going to be a rapper and a spoken word artist. That's what I do. And I handed her a shitty flyer for my battle at Sinsin <laughs> on that Monday, and yeah. I was like, you can come see me here, and if you want to work together, great. But, like, I don't need to do this. <laughs> I don't know what... I was just... I was... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, because I'm a pretty polite person now, but that's like... There was just so much... Co- like, that arrogance of youth, that cockiness, yeah. the, the I'm gonna be. Yeah. Like, um... It's been my job to think of myself on the highest level and to have the utmost confidence and ego in myself. And then it's been life's job to fucking humiliate me (laughs) into having some sort of sense of humility and being humble. So I'm like, I'm the greatest and life is like, nah, bro. And we sort of have this back and forth. Yeah, I have the same. Yeah. 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 So So this this agent signed me the next day. Did she come to the battle? Well, her, mm, yeah, she ended up coming, but her eyes went wide. She was like, you rap and you do spoken word? And I was like, this is not going the way I thought it would. (laughs) I was signed within 48 hours, and within like a week, I was doing my first off-Broadway show, which was a hip-hop theater show. It was like a spoken word piece, mostly done for youth, called History of the Word. So so hip-hop theater existed? It did. It had started with the hip-hop theater festival that Camilla Forbes and and this guy named Clyde had started a few years earlier. My first professional gig was assistant directing a show that was written by Chadwick Boseman, who ended up becoming the Black Panther. Yeah. Um, We did that in D.C. at Howard University at the festival, I think in 04. In any case, I start doing commercials. I start doing these plays. I'm battling. I'm doing pretty well on the battle circuit. You making records? I'm making a few records, but um, not really because I'm spending too much time kind of getting fucked up and in sort of enjoying the life. Booze now? Booze, yeah, because if you want to battle, you got a bottle of vodka yeah. and a $100 bill. Yeah. 40 ounces. Yeah. Just doing that and yeah. just being like coasting on potential. In New York. In New York. Yeah. And being like, I'm going to be the greatest when you're 23, 22, you're like, it's inevitable. Yeah. And then you hit 30, 31, and people are like, hey, man, all that potential doesn't mean shit. Like, are you going to do so something? So you dicked around for that long, but you were doing shit, right? You were directing, you were teaching, and, you know. You, yeah, and just, like, you, smoking and, weed every day. And But did you get involved with Lin-Manuel Miranda? So out of History of the Word, that first job, a yeah. producer named Oren Wolf introduced me to Lin. Yeah. And the guys, Anthony, Shock, Chris Jackson, Tommy Kale. Um, Arthur and Bill, um, and I joined Freestyle Love Supreme when I was 21. That's or, his thing? Yeah, or 22 years old. And started performing with them. That's like 15 years ago, and you know we just sort of culminated this first, I guess, novel in the series with a Broadway run. That story has ended nicely, and a new one is beginning. But <clears throat> what yeah. do you mean? So that it finally went to Broadway? Yeah, like we after... got to Broadway. These motherfuckers did like In the Heights and Hamilton and Tommy did Fosse Verdon and Lynn obviously is Lynn. Um, and we got to go to Broadway and I just got to do like 200 shows on Broadway and meet Patrick Stewart and for rap, bro. Like I got to freestyle rap. Every with... night was freestyle? Yeah, every single night is a totally different show. With no context? Zero context. It's just fucking start and go. How many people? 
uh, on stage or yeah. three MCs, a beatboxer, and two keyboardists, so seven. How'd it go? Sold out, made their money back, got to meet Nick Lachey of 98 Degrees. <laughs> yeah. Very big deal. Okay. Padma Lakshmi came through, Hari came through, Asif Manvi, um, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, Helen Mirren. Uh, opening night was so cool. It was like Black Thought, Most Def, Ryan Reynolds, Ira Glass, yeah. Alan Cummings, Josh Groban, <laughs> Katie Couric. And you're like, what the fuck are all you doing here? Yeah. For this, it's that kind of show. It just brings- New Yorkers. New Yorkers, exactly. But it can also just bring a bevy of different people. Sure, celebrities weird. Celebrity is very strange. Yeah, as they I can't learned. hang. They, yeah, they don't. They, they, you know, it's like they can only hang out with each other sometimes, and they well, all go to the same place at the same time. Yeah, they're not necessarily connected. Uh, but that seems. But New York's different like that. But do all you, of those people, I think, at least Ira and Katie, and uh, I imagine a couple of the other people are New Yorkers. So. Yeah, you. But you talk to so many of them. Do you feel intimidated? Like when you're sitting with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, and your mic stops working, are you like? More no, I'm not like I'm more mad that I'm not going to get something. Do you know what I mean? I, I I used to be more intimidated. I'm more intimidated by uh, in my life in this in in here by musicians, you mm-hmm. know, older musicians who you know who have really changed my life somehow. And there have been some actors who I found intimidating, but it, when I really think about it, you, you know, overwhelmed is more the the feeling not like you know intimidated i'm not intimidated but you're sort of like whoa this is a special person right you know and you have to reckon with the special person like some people even if it's uh, as simple as uh mandy moore you know then some people just you see them walking up and you're like holy shit she has a glow about her. Right. And then like I see Letterman, you know, that brings a lot of my life, my baggage. It's not baggage, but I have always loved Letterman, but he comes up and I'm like, this is, you know, this is a fucking real thing, man. This is David Letterman. But I'm not intimidated, you know, because they're flesh and blood and you feel that pretty quickly and I've become right. very attuned to that. Yeah. Well, you're, yeah, that's the thing that I admire about you is you, you kind of cut through that real quick by sort of opening yourself up and it sort of gives other people, um, permission to yeah, be vulnerable so you, you as well. A, the, it's a humanizing thing. You know, they, they are all just people and some of them are hiding more than others. Right. And some of them have a, a, uh, you know, a deeper stick. Well, that's the, <laughs> I mean, that's a skill I think I learned from you is just being like, yo dude, this is what it is. Yeah. This is where my fears come from. This is what I'm angry about. This is what I'm not. I'm not, I don't have as much experience as you in life, so I don't think I'm as uh, proficient in it as you are. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's certainly something that helps yeah. in just daily conversation. It can, yeah. Like, and, and I don't talk to enough people like outside of in, in the world. But you know, it's, it, but go ahead. I like, are you a vulnerable person in your day-to-day life? Yeah. But like, you know, you got to know me. Right, yeah, right, right. Like you know, if you come over, I don't really know you. I'd be like, "Hey, buddy, what's up?" You know, you know. Yeah, but- I definitely got a "Hey, buddy, what's up?" when I walked in, <laughs> which is I totally expected. I was not expecting anything more than that. I was like, "Whoa, he's letting me in his house." Yeah, he yeah, like right, offered right. me something to drink. I was yeah. like, "This is going well." Yeah. No, no, but I mean, people, the people that know me, and a lot of people who listen to the show, and some they can play me. They, you know, they can sort of like they know that there's a certain amount of of fronting going on in terms of my, yeah, you know, how am I going to open up? You yeah. Know, you, you know, but some people can see right through my shit, you know, and, and but generally, you know, I, I feel it out and I'm willing is what it is, you know. Do you think that's um, a product of being sober? 
at mm. all. How long are you sober? Twenty years. Yeah. And change. So you're like you were you've been sober long enough to like be over it, get back into it, yeah. be done with it again. Yeah, I'm always pretty sober. Like I'm a little I've been a little cranky and a little dry lately. But uh I'm always pretty sober. Yeah, that definitely had something to do with it. It's, it but it was part of the process. I mean, if you really look at the foundations of AA, it's you know, one alcoholic talking to another to get the other you know, one of them they get out of their own heads if they talk to somebody else or try to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's really the foundation of the podcast. So the fundamentals of this thing were really me making amends with people and me getting out of my own head to a certain degree to learn how to be empathetic for other people, which have evolved on these mics. I think uh, that's probably what resonates with me is sort of that, <clears throat> the idea of sort of accepting who you are and sharing that with other people is really special. Um, it certainly has helped me, like getting sober changed my whole fucking- Now, outlook. when did that happen? How, how bad did it get and what, what, how'd you hit the wall? What was the bottom like? The bottom was like long and jagged. How long you got? I'm five years, five past five years. So, um, did somebody say something to you? Yeah, everybody said what they had to say. (laughs) I mean, somebody like there's not one person who didn't say something. What Um, were they saying? I don't have a single friend who's like, damn, I wish you drank still. I don't have a single person in my life who's like, you were so fun. Hmm. Just like you're riding this shit till the wheels fall off, like you're gonna die. That was I was a real alcoholic. Um, a friend had passed away, and that sort of lit the fuse. I had money. I'd done Pitch Perfect, so I had more money than I'd ever had before. Yeah, thirty six grand. Yeah, I was loaded. Yeah, man. Um, and I started partying like crazy. We were doing South by Southwest with this group I was in, and just drinking became a daily. Then there was a sort of a really close family friend died yeah and that sort of lit the fuse for me and i picked up a bottle and then i sort of didn't put one down huh. how did he die it's like i just uh, not the best way like the worst way but uh-huh. i want to be respectful to his family okay and so that was super tra- tragic yeah and i kind of ran with it and like <clears throat> and then i you know at the very end what happened is i went to the but local it's bar pitch perfect you know that's you know two uh, you know seven you- years ago or eight years ago right so, so you had a, an intense two years you you the bottom yeah i was a daily marijuana user sure missing opportunities right, right? but well, you don't it. know yeah, yeah, been yeah. to jail a couple times For but what? it's like one was like i was fucked up and had weed on me and we spray painted i was in a group bad name called the Tards. yeah and we spray painted in the lower <laughs> east side the Tards will outrun you it's a rap bunch rap group yeah, yeah like okay. beastie boys yeah Retards will outrun you in big gold lettering yeah. and whoop whoop. Yeah. Like within two seconds, the cops pulled up. The Beatards did not run, <laughs> jump, skip. We went directly to jail. I had paraphernalia on my person. Yeah. And we spent a weekend in jail, whatever it was. And then the other time was open container on the subway. Right. Which again is substance. Yeah. Like the through line is there's substances involved. Yeah. But at the time, I'm like, this is cred, fuck the police, whatever, who gives a shit. And not to mention the countless like close calls, right? Uh-huh. But dying, um, yeah, <laughs> the, the not dying, arresting. the driving, right. Right. like sure. all the things yeah. that we do for anyone who's listening, who's in recovery, right, um, or isn't and wants to be. But um, I, my bottom was go to the, go into the local bar. I had sort of gotten a little a bit of program in me and decided, you know, 
we can speak candidly. Yeah. I got into a fourth step and decided like, nah, the yeah. same for me. Yeah. And uh, decided I wasn't an alcoholic and went out to do a little bit of research. Uh-huh. And seven months later, it mm. was like a Sunday. Yeah. It was going, it was the second time going to the same bar. I'd gone in the morning, <laughs> fell asleep, took a nap, went back to the same bar. The bartender put me in an Uber. I fought with the Uber because he wouldn't get me uh, booze. Yeah. I walked home and I fell flat on my face yeah. and con- concussed myself. Yeah. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, there's only two things I got to do. I got to take care of my face yeah. and my dog. And I'm 50% is failing. <laughs> I'm fucked. <laughs> and I called a friend and I detoxed on his couch for two or three days and haven't had a drink since, yeah. which is a mirac- miraculous because I was on his couch like I'm not done, bro. I'm not. I know I'm not done, but I sober first, guy. Yeah, uh-huh. still sober too. Um, but uh, yeah, and I haven't had a drink, and I sort of dove into program in and, New York, in L.A. This oh. is in L.A. now. Oh, oh, I got sober in New York. Yeah, which is a gnarly fucking place. Yeah, but it's also like it's real historical shit. There's yeah. something about like there's something when you get sober in New York and you're doing that thing where you're like, okay, all you're fucking doing is going to meetings and hanging out with sober dudes. It's one of those ones where you always land because there's always one there. So it always plays a part in your head. Right. You know, so old when you, school. But when you travel, yeah. like are you hitting meetings Sometimes, out of town? Sometimes, not as much as I get more more years, I don't. But yeah, I do. Sure, I do. Yeah, because uh, people know that I'm um, in it. I'm in the secret club and people reach out. Sometimes I'll yeah, go. Yeah, likewise. I, I, used to do, uh, I used to do it on my own. I'd always pick the weirdest, wrongest meetings. But Me they, too. I'm like, a you, bad picker. Yeah. <laughs> I'd look them up and I'd be like, this one sounds good and it's kind of close. And wh- I've had times where it's like, there was just me and some guy, it's his first meeting and we were the only ones there. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm running this. Yeah. Like that kind of shit. How are you doing? Yeah, right. Yeah. Here's my number. Yeah. I leave tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like- but, but it's still, it's the effort, you know, that what you learn about that shit is, is that you've, you've done due diligence. Yeah. <clears throat> and when you think about that, like when I think about the early days, like having to just structure my life minute by minute just mm-hmm. to like make it, you know, mm-hmm. just to get through 24 hours at the very beginning and, you know, going through the that that change and that process of like even just going to the grocery store sober. Oh, yeah, and being dude. like, it's so crazy. Just all that stuff. And I take that and I go, and then my brain, and then I look at like rapping for 70 seconds at the Oscars. And it's like, is that really going to be harder than getting day one? And you're like, and or even like, like you know, day for, six. For that first couple of years, you're so crazy, man. Like you just like calling dudes in the program all day. Like, what's up? Yep. I'm in trouble. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I got a few of those. Shout out to John, Joey, Rico, Greg, Raul. Yeah, right. Davey. Yeah, yeah. Alex, I got- What are you doing? I got a gaggle. Yeah. I'm thinking about doing this. Yeah. My sponsor, he passed away, Um, but um, he was a quadriplegic. Uh-huh. And he w- had a way of just giving me perspective. Oh, yeah. I've got like three, four months. I'm driving a Honda Civic, and it's just ratty, tattered. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not paying attention. And I go into traffic, and I hit a dude- and the front fender comes off. Oh, you hit a car. Yeah, I, okay. I hit a car. Yeah. Sorry, I hit yeah. a truck. And the guy's <laughs> wasted, but I don't have insurance yet because I'm new, newly sober. Yeah. So it's there's nothing. Not, not I responsible. There's yet. nothing. You're just sober. I, yeah. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. So I'm just like this dude's shit faced, but I'm gonna have to pay him 
because like if I call the cops, we're both fucked. Like that's what my brain tells me. Oh yeah. And I'm panicking and I call Russell and I go, Russell, oh my God, I just hit a guy, I hit his car and the, the front bent fender's coming off and I don't know what I'm going to do and I'm freaking out. And he just sighs and he goes, ah, man, I wish I could drive. <laughs> and I go, all right, man, <laughs> I think I'm be good. <laughs> I think we're good. I just, I'm just going to get his number and deal with it without insurance. He goes, that sounds like a good idea. I was like, okay, love you. Bye. Went to the meeting, zip tied up the vendor, went to the meeting. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's life right there. So, um, so when, so at what point, so it was a big relief for everybody, yourself included, and yeah. everyone that knew you, and your parents were concerned? They didn't then, really know oh, until okay. I told them that I was doing it. And, and it was how much rough. did you fuck up? You know, like in terms of opportunity and whatnot. Like, like what was? So yeah. So I mean, I didn't pay taxes for several years. The right. normal shit with people who have yeah. responsibility issues. I cleaned up all that stuff. But I, I professionally I, though. Professionally, the white whale is um is Hamilton. Mm. So Lynn comes to me in 2012. Yeah. And he goes, I have this role, Aaron Burr oh. in Hamilton. It's for you. Yeah. Um, I'm writing something special for you. And I go, if I got time. <laughs> I'm like, maybe if I have time. 2012. So you're you're deep in it. I'm deep in the substances. I've just done Pitch Perfect. Yeah. And Cocky. I'm pretty high on my own supply. Yeah. Of which there was very little of. And so I went to Lincoln Center and I played Aaron Burr in an initial reading of Hamilton. And then some time passed and I went to um, soon, not SUNY, Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, yeah. I think that is SUNY. I'm not sure. I'm I don't sure there's remember. a SUNY there. So we go to Poughkeepsie. Yeah. And we're doing these staged readings of Hamilton. And I'm not a musical theater guy, but like I You can, and Diggs and- Diggs was there. Yeah. You did- Yeah, you, talk to him. Yeah, yeah, David is a close friend. Good um, guy. Great guy. Good heart. I like that movie. Um, yeah, I was in that movie, Blind Spotting. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, you're funny in that movie too. There's a middle. There's a scene in in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, I, yeah. They let me improvise, which was really cool. I remember it. It was fun. Yeah, Diggs is the homie. So I show up with David the yeah. night before. David and I and this guy Dialect are in a cipher. We're like rapping and I'm drinking Jameson and we're getting fucked up and we go. We're meant to be in Poughkeepsie the next yeah. morning. And so long story short, like I go, I'm not going to drink while I'm there. And it's impossible. Uh-huh. And I would go, I'm not going to drink. And I'd wake up at 5 a.m. in yeah. his dorm, wait for the liquor store two miles away to open. I'd walk to the liquor store, buy the pint of whiskey, yeah. walk back yeah. in time for rehearsal. Whoa. Yeah. And suffice to say, I was not able to execute in the way that they needed me to. I fully fucked up. I was wasted, man. And uh, Lynn and Alex Lacamoire, who's the musical director. Lynn, not so much because he's not one for confrontation. But Alex Lacamoire pulled me aside and he was like, what are you doing? Like, there's, you're not good. Like, you're not doing this well. Nobody knew that it was because of alcohol. Mm. But there, he's like. Had you done it well? Yes. Okay. Like, the reason I was there and is like, I. I'm able to pick up m- music pretty quickly. Yeah. Like if you if you sing it or if you say yeah. it, I, I'm I'm quick to memorize. Yeah. But not if I'm fucking brain dead. Yeah. Um, and so that opportunity, obviously, I'm not here talking about my starring Tony Award winning role in Hamilton. Right. 
Um, so that's sort of the, the big thing. And um, I had to, you know, when I got sober, the gift is, is that my relationship with those guys in particular, yeah. with everyone in general, yeah. got so much stronger and deeper. And I think, you know, I went and I auditioned again for them. Yeah. And we all knew I wasn't going to get it, but it was kind of like a living amends. Yeah. Like, here, let me give you my best because you right. didn't get it. Right. Um, I flew myself out to New York, like stayed sober, um, auditioned for them. Like, I was fucking humble. It's one of the few times in my life that I've actually been yeah, humble. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, I'm broken. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have anything but my best to give you. Yeah. And that's not going to be enough and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that engendered a little bit of love and respect. That was there, but, you know, you start to rebuild relationships sure. and build new branches on trees that you're like, man, this shit's probably going to die. But yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, Lynn was the first person to call me when I got my year sober. He FaceTimed oh, me yeah. and we chatted. Yeah, he was the ah. first person to call. Um, and our families and our friendship has grown and become something that transcends work and mm. rarely is about work, you know? You have kids? Uh, I have a four and a half year old stepdaughter. Uh-huh. And um, I'm going to be a dad in two months. Wow. Yeah, baby due in April. So you it's hang gonna... out with the Mirandas? We do. Yeah. yeah, we do. We kick it. I mean, it's fun. I mean, I'm so glad he was at the Oscars. It's a double-edged sword because yeah. everyone's like, this motherfucker's only here because Lynn's here. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it's really helpful when you have one of your best friends. But that's not quite true, is it? No, no. It's yeah. not quite true at all. Yeah. But it's... um. And if it is true, who gives a fuck? Lynn, yeah. man, like, it's yeah. Lynn. And also, who wants to fucking do that job? Lynn's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I talked to him about his. He's sort of like it was, oh, he, yeah. you know. I, no, no, I mean, I talked to him that night. Oh. About whatever he did out there, which was introduced to songs, or I right. can't remember what it was. What was it? It was he the- introduced Eminem, Eminem, basically. And everyone's like, why the fuck is Eminem here? But uh, right. and, that, then so- and then I was like, fuck, I got to follow Eminem. <laughs> but like- I thought Eminem was great. He was cool. Yeah. He's one of us too. Yeah. Elton John is too. Yeah. I was like, this is great. You could have had a meeting. It, I should have. <laughs> the first person, the red carpet was so uncomfortable. I'm so scared. I don't feel like I belong. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. The first guy that came up to me was like, hey, Utkarsh, my name is so-and-so. Um, my sponsor's name is, you know him. I have 17 months. I just wanted to say hello. Uh, and I was like, bro, you have no idea how important it was for you to say <laughs> hi to me. You just put this whole shit into perspective. Have a great night. Nice. I'm going to go do this. Um, but having Lynn in the audience and Anthony, who's the homie as well, Anthony's Ramos, who's fam, Anthony Ramos, yeah. starring in In the yeah. Heights, um, it really helps. Sure. It helps to look and see your brother yeah. who genuinely wants you to succeed. Yeah. Not who's putting it on for the camera, right. but also who I very much appreciate for putting it on for the camera. Yes, he, yes. he like put his big old smile face on yeah. for me. Yeah. Like um Lynn is like the kind of person that like Warren Buffett is excited to meet. Yeah. You know what I he's mean? Like, sweetheart. Yeah. Good hearted guy. And he treats his third grade teacher and Warren Buffett with the same amount of love, which yeah. is what I appreciate about him. Yeah. Um but no, like I stood up on that stage and the first person I locked eyes with was Brad Pitt. Yeah. Also who, a sweetheart. Dude, really? and he just won his Oscar sitting yeah. next to mom, feeling fucking right as rain. Yeah. He gives me a big old Brad Pitt smile, and I'm like, well, you and I are best friends. <laughs> like, you're yeah. my guy. And then I look up, and Mahershala Ali's there, and he's giving me that stoic, yeah. like, 
smile and he's very like connected and i was like well mahershala is my best buddy yeah and then i look and i see taika who i did a movie with this summer called um free guy with ryan reynolds yeah so i've got eaten pizza with him so we're best buds right so you felt comfortable yeah i made myself i tricked myself into feeling love right as a as opposed to fear yeah and i changed the focus in my brain to instead of all you guys are judging me and i don't belong here even though i said that out loud yeah um, cause I have a hard time filtering my real thoughts, but, um, yeah. I changed it to being like, let me show you guys a good time. Like yeah. I flipped it to like, I do this very well. I know I don't believe that I do it well, but there's evidence physically that it's happened yeah, for me sure, in the past. Sure. And, and it's uh, also show business. Yeah. And I'm just going to smile now uh-huh. and do what I've prepared. And the lucky thing is Fear for me makes me catatonic. Like my body goes very rigid. Yeah. yeah. So it comes off as being very calm. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Right, right, right. The paralysis. Yeah. People are like, you were so calm and composed. And it's like, dude, my brain, as it's happening, my director brain is like, you're not moving. <laughs> you are not moving. And then the other brain's like, no, no, no. It's perfect for camera. Stay scared. Yeah. Just stick stick the landing. Stick the fucking landing. Yeah. Thank your mom. Ah. Uh, thanks mom wait wait what about your dad it's too late now right, <laughs> like right. my dad just perpetually feels left out yeah um so that's basically how it went real time oh that's great and then rapping about mindy and mindy wasn't even fucking there it was like her seat filler uh, and i was like don't like you she know, was there though but she was just i had seen her before yeah. but like i saw some girl waving her arms and i was like that's not mindy right and then you can't draw attention to the seat filler thing because right, it right destroys the magic that yeah, is the Oscars. Right. The fact that nobody's in their seats right. or gives a flying fuck. <laughs> no, I mean, some people do. They but do. I mean, you did a good job. I appreciate it. I didn't it. talk, let's, we, I feel like we should kind of land this thing. So let's, all right, so you ready to rap? I could rap, yeah. I could definitely rap. Are you gonna play? Yeah. What do you like, what's the beat? That's perfect. Yeah. Mark Marin, UTK. Okay, nah. What's up? What the fuckers? Ice road truckers, mother cluckers, oyster shuckers, young up and comers, out of luckers. Listen while I just tuck the beat up in my pocket. Listen, cause I'm a rocket. They call me the Indian and they say that I'm so exotic. Because taking off just like a rocket, I'm strapped in. I get to rap and listen, the captain is coming in. What happened? I'm kicking the liquor while I'm spitting the shit. You fully equipped to feel me while you wiggle your hips to the sound that I'm making right now. Uh, this is innovation in the South Asian of Brown, holding the crown. Mark Marin, never preparing. He got it on the podcast. You know I outlast anybody. My paragraphs spit it with different stanzas. I beat the scans and listen, I'm Tony Danza, the boss. What's the cost? You with a loss, you know that I floss. So back and forth and I got it just watch me toss the rhythm while I'm hitting it revving my engine oh yeah full of melanin like I said earlier just a word that I use in my toolbox listen cause I got it my tube socks up to the knee feeling me flow so free and MC while I be up on the stage and you see the man finished Broadway then I did the Oscars and I know Topa Chico is gonna wanna sponsor while I do it the responder sound and you know oh while we playing on the frets and I'm flipping the flow oh yes sir he up on the get I'm spitting 
talking shit, yeah, making noise with my boy, wearing green corduroy, bringing joy, yes I got it right now when I play with toys, yeah he got the microphone in his brand new garage, I got a lyrical barrage for all of y'all, uh-huh, and, 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 we don't stop, can't stop, won't stop, keep it hot, like Ice Cube, playing beats with a pill, chemicals in an Escalade, have a nice fucking day. If you stopped listening to the podcast before that moment, you missed out. Thanks, man. It's like the one with Peter Fonda and then the one with me. That's like one and two. (laughs) You got to give yourselves more credit, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for doing it. Thank you. Doing some music. Great guy, funny guy, sober guy. You can see him in uh, Britney Runs a Marathon, uh, streaming on Amazon or the Mindy Project or anything else that he mentioned that you can find. Uh, I enjoyed talking to that guy. And stay safe. Don't touch people. Stay out of circulation. Do the right thing. Don't believe bullshit. Don't fall into the stupid portal. Boomer lives!